Hello and welcome to FX Talk, an eBrew podcast all about the foreign exchange market, where we break down some of the main news headlines in financial markets and give our take on what these developments might mean for the world of FX. My name is Matthew Ryan, Head of Market Strategy here at eBrew, and I'm joined as always on the podcast by two of my colleagues, our Chief Risk Officer Enrique Diaz-Alvarez and Senior Market Analyst Roman Zuruk. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of FX Talk. And we've got a very good episode lined up for you today because we're recording this off the back of a very eventful period, not just in the foreign exchange market, but also in wider financial markets. Headlines have, of course, been dominated by the fallout from the recent banking turmoil, which was, of course, was triggered by the failure of Silicon Valley Bank uh, in the US, which collapsed uh, in early March following a traditional run on the bank. Uh, What went wrong at Silicon Valley Bank? Uh, Well, it was highly sensitive to interest rate risk, um, as a lot uh, was invested in, in long duration held to maturity bonds during the tech boom following the onset of the pandemic. Rates went up, price of these bonds fell sharply, leaving a big mark-to-market hole on the balance sheet, um, and depositors and investors caught on, withdrew their funds en masse, uh, and that was that. Uh, In the period since then, we've seen heightened panic uh, among market participants, which has contributed to the troubles faced by Credit Suisse, which has taken over by UBS in a government-brokered deal. Investors remained on edge, fearful that others could follow suit. And that's led to a volatile period of trading across financial markets. Equity sold off, although most indices have since stabilised and recovered either all of their losses or at least most. Interest rates have fallen sharply and are more so than the moves in equity, notably in the US as investors have bet, the central banks globally will be less aggressive in raising interest rates. And in FX, safe haven yen has outperformed, followed by the pound, whereas the US dollar has largely struggled selling off against most currencies globally. Um, But have these moves been justified? And what are your guys' general thoughts on the turmoil? Were these bank failures one-offs? or driven more by systemic issues? I would draw a sharp distinction uh, between the U.S. and Europe here. I think that uh, U.S. banks, especially regional banks, uh, were not subject to the same level of regulation as the uh, systemically important institutions. As a result, uh, loaded up on long-term securities which paid very long interest rates at the worst possible time. And if you look at the the losses that are still the, the... the uh, unrealized losses in their portfolios, um, at the very least, uh, you get the impression that they they need to issue tons of capital, and at any rate, um, the the damage is, is big enough to impact their appetite for further loans and expansion of the loan portfolios. I think Europe is very different in that respect, in that uh, European banks have done much less of that. European and UK banks as well have uh, much less uh, exposure to rising interest rates. Uh, the, the figures published um, by the ECB regulators, I think, confirm that. Um, and so we're, we're looking at a crisis of, first of all, moderate impact. I, again, it's important to, to keep in mind that this is mostly confined to a subset of, re, of uh, mid-sized uh, U.S. banks. 
uh, and much less so across the Atlantic. And, and I think that in terms of the impact of, on the FX markets, this mostly reinforces our positive view on the euro. Uh, even if the impact is not great, uh, at the margin, this will mean that U.S. rates will be lower than otherwise they would have been with almost no impact on European rates. And in fact, we have seen an, an enormous compression in the differential in rates between the U.S. and the Eurozone since uh, since this trouble started. And so I think that the recent move higher in the Euro has probably has further legs. From my point of view, uh, this is one of the biggest arguments in favor of a further Euro-Dollar rally right now, because uh, what we have seen right now is a little bit of a correction of those uh, violent moves in rates. However, uh, I think that still um, the correction has not uh, meant that we are back to levels which would seem justified. Uh, I think that there is still a, a lot of uncertainty and fear in the system, and it will probably take some time until all of this is filtered out. Uh, I don't think that the banking issue is a systemic issue. Uh, certainly, I don't think that it's a systemic issue uh, in the EU. Mm, I think that the level of scrutiny there is quite decent. And I think that uh, if we didn't have the collapse of the SVB, which clearly is a uh, case of a bad apple, um, we wouldn't have the collapse of the Credit Suisse. Uh, I think that this would likely be averted. And uh, when it comes to Deutsche Bank, I don't see any reasons uh, to suggest that uh, the bank is on the verge of uh, any problems that could uh, bring it down. Mm, looking at the uh, CDS prices, uh, actually there was a Bloomberg report uh, indicating that it was uh, a very small amount or actually a, a very small trade which caused all the uh, move in the CDS uh, prices for Deutsche Bank, which started this uh, really uh, sharp uh, recent uh, bout of uh, fear um, after some stability following the rescue efforts uh, to rescue Credit Suisse. So uh, to me, I think that we should see uh, further correction in prices, uh, especially when it comes to interest rate pricing in the Eurozone. Uh, I would think that uh, the FX market uh, should be able to stabilize further uh, if, this, uh, if this is the case. Uh, so I'm, I'm quite optimistic about the future. I think that the, the issue has been blown out of the proportion, uh, especially when it comes to Eurozone. Yes, I have to agree. I mean, I think this is, um, it's certainly been a little bit more, a little bit of an overreaction, I would say. Um, you know, I think if we look at the causes of these, um, these bank failures, I think they have been driven more by poor management of risks rather than necessarily systemic problems within the banking sector. Or in the case of Credit Suisse, for instance, uh, a series of issues, scandals, losses down the years, rather than necessarily um, one clear catalyst that we're seeing. Um, yeah, and I think, we, we, as we mentioned, I think regulation, certainly for European banks, UK banks, much tighter than it was, say, the, the previous global financial crisis, now 2009, which is um, a source for encouragement. Uh, you know, as we said, markets don't seem to be in complete panic mode. Um, we have seen um, a stabilization or relative stability in, in credit default swaps, for instance, with the exception of Deutsche Bank, although that appears to be uh, due to a, a one-off trade, as you mentioned, Roman, and uh, due to the highly illiquid nature of that market. Uh, actually, markets seem to be um seem to be recovering stocks are, are back up 
risk currencies are rallying again. The euro's back above the 108 level against the dollar. Well, I suspect, uh, as you two have alluded to, I think the worst probably behind us, but you know, this will be something that certainly be worth monitoring closely uh, in the next couple of weeks or so. Uh, now, since the turmoil in the banking sector, we have seen a high degree of volatility uh, in interest rates globally. Uh, government bond yields have fallen quite sharply, notably in the US. The two-year Treasury yield posted its largest one-day drop since 1987, um, following the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, and has fallen by around about 100 basis points since the beginning of the turmoil. In Europe, we've seen similar moves. The German equivalent, German two-year government bond yield, is down around about 70 basis points, while in the UK, uh, around 50. Um, And I would say that the wild gyrations that we've seen uh, in interest rates have been uh, among the most volatile and unpredictable, certainly that I've seen in, in my time covering markets in the last eight and a half years or so. Why have we seen these violent moves in interest rates? Well, markets believe that the uncertainty may cause central banks globally to be slightly more cautious uh, when raising interest rates. Uh, the big three central banks, the Federal Reserve, European Central Bank and Bank of England have all met in the last couple of weeks. All three raised interest rates again, albeit both the Fed and the ECB in particular delivered some very diluted uh, forward guidance and were much less hawkish than prior to the recent banking troubles. Uh, The exception would be the Bank of England, which raised rates and maintained the language in its statement that more hikes could be coming uh, if inflation proved to be persistent. And that's partly why we've seen Uh, This outperformance I mentioned in Sterling, which has been not only one of the best performers in the G10 this month, but the best performer in the G10 since the start of this year. Uh, So does this banking turmoil spell the end for central bank interest rate hikes? Or or do the recent central bank meetings suggest that there is perhaps a little bit more room to go? But what do you guys both think? I I think that uh, the answer to that question is very much dependent on, on where we're talking about. I think in the U.S., um, the, it's reasonable to expect some degree of tightening. Uh, again, like I said before, some degree of contraction in the availability of credit, especially at, uh, for smaller and medium-sized companies, commercial real estate, and, and other entities that are more dependent on the, the medium, mid-sized U.S. banks that are most ex, more, more exposed to this, to this problem. And that is the equivalent to de facto tightening by the Federal Reserve in terms of its impact on, on, on U.S. demand. How much is the un- an open question? I think it's difficult to make an assessment. I think we'll have to wait for the uh, loan service uh, that come out on a monthly basis. We also need to pay a lot of attention. In addition to the inflation numbers, as always, we now have to pay attention to the uh, uh, banking uh, reports that say how the banks are doing, our deposits uh, moving from one set of banks to another or to money markets. Uh, so it is reasonable to expect the Federal Reserve to be a lot more cautious over the next few months until they have information on the actual impact on, on credit availability of this crisis. Not so in the rest of the G10, frankly. I think if, if this problem remains as I expected to remain 
a US-centric problem with uh, essentially no impact on the Eurozone or the UK, then there's no reason for either the Bank of England or the European Central Bank to to pause or to even change in any way their 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 hiking cycle. And so we are going to see a continued compression of the differential in rates between the US and on one hand and the rest of the G10 on the other. And I think this is again this is this this is the most bullish I have been on on European currencies in a while versus the US dollar. I have to agree with that. Uh, I, I don't hold a, a differing opinion when it comes to the Fed. Uh, it will be interesting to see to what extent the um, credit market uh, really tightens. But I, you know, based on what we know, I don't think that the this is going to be uh, too significant of an issue to deter the Fed from raising rates at the nearest meeting. But I don't think that we are looking at uh, a further tightening beyond that. I also think that the situation in the U.S. when it comes to macroeconomic situation is signaling that perhaps uh, further tightening beyond uh, will not be uh, as needed. But when it comes to Eurozone, uh, the situation is quite different. We still haven't seen the peak of core inflation. Uh, we are waiting for uh, the data for the latest month, uh, which will be released, uh, I believe, this Friday, and which is expected to show yet another increase there. Uh, and I think that there is a number of risks uh, to inflation in the Eurozone. Uh, one, we have a, a definitely better growth uh, situation and growth prospects than many expected. Uh, the energy crisis is not that much of an issue. We are seeing some wage pressures. Uh, so I think that uh, this warrants uh, continuing raising interest rates in case of the uh, Eurozone. And I think that this problem is, uh, as you said, Enrique, uh, US-centric. And uh, looking at the situation uh, in Europe and the Deutsche Bank and others uh, and the level of regulation that European uh, banks uh, have to adhere to, I, I don't think that uh, this will have a significant effect on the uh, ECB. Mm, when it comes to the Bank of England, uh, I was uh, recently uh, surprised uh, by, or maybe not surprised, but uh, I, I stand corrected because I thought that the Bank of England will uh, probably not raise rates uh, at the latest meeting, or at least that they're not going to be as hawkish as they were. Uh, but I think that the data that we had in the interim uh, justified that move. And uh, But looking uh, at the situation moving further, I think that they're going to remain uh, squarely data dependent. And uh, if we are going to see the inflation data and activity data surprising to the upside, as we have seen, then maybe uh, they're going to tighten some more. Uh, if not, I think that they may as well uh, end it there. And I don't think that the banking situation uh, will have any effect uh, on the uh, UK prospects for raising interest rates. And I think that the market uh, is, seeing a, uh, is seeing this in a similar way. And it's remarkable how little, no impact we've seen of the crisis in the UK. So uh, it may be luck or it may be the regulatory success, but clearly at no point has any UK bank been under even a hint of suspicion, which I think is, is indirect, indirectly at least accounts for a lot of this sterling outperformance. Um, and, and yeah, frankly, I think that sterling, in addition to, to having what looks like a very safe and sound financial system, uh, 
hopefully I won't be, <laughs> I won't have to eat these words in the next week or so, but it, it does look that way right now. In addition to that, it's probably the cheapest currencies in the G10 after this dramatic underperformance since all the way back to the Brexit referendum. So that's, it's, it's one of the currencies that I'm more bullish on. During this crisis, I think it also behaved as a safe haven, taking the US dollar place. It was the, the second best performer after the Japanese yen. So we're back into the 19th century. With the uh, Royal Navy <laughs> rules the seas. <laughs> not quite, not quite. But it's been, it's been uh, a, pos- a pleasant surprise. Yes, I tend to agree. And I think, yes, Sterling, as we said, one of the better performers during this this period of banking uncertainty. I think a lot of that does have to do with the um, the stricter regulation that's been put in uh, to the UK banking sector, particularly since uh, the 0809 uh, crisis, um, which has put um, UK banks in a, in a much stronger position than they were um, 15 years ago or so. Um, I mean, as far as... Uh, the other central banks, I mean, clearly it's a, it's a little bit of a delicate balancing act, um, certainly as far as the Federal Reserve is, is concerned. You know, on the one hand, we have the banking uncertainty, as you guys have talked about, and um, on the other, inflation still continues to print at very high levels. Um, I mean, for that reason, I think that there, there is still a little bit more room to go for, for, for some of these, these major central banks, um, particularly those in Europe, ECB, Bank of England, Probably not done just yet, um, uh, and upside surprises in recent core inflation prints in both Europe and in the UK will still be a big cause for concern. Um, but but let's see. Let's, let's, we'll, we'll wait and see uh, how the situation develops in the next few weeks and how policymakers respond to that. Um, upcoming central bank speeches will will take on added importance, not just among the major central banks, but among central banks uh, globally. I, I would suggest. Okay, we're going to move on now and, and finish with our spotlight currency for the week, um, as voted for by uh, our followers on LinkedIn, which overwhelmingly selected the Swiss franc um, to be our spotlight currency for this week. Um, and it's been a, a very interesting period for the for the franc, um, not just in the last few weeks, but in the past uh, few months or so. Uh, indeed, in the past year, the franc has been the best performer in the G10 and has spent almost all of the last nine months or so trading below parity uh, on the euro um, and below the levels actually that it hit following the removal of the euro Swiss franc peg um, in early 2015. Why has that been the case? Um, Well, that's partly been due to this significant policy shift we've seen from the Swiss National Bank in recent months, which has hiked interest rates aggressively and intervened in the FX market in order to prevent franc depreciation. Uh, The franc has also benefited from safe haven flows as investors fret about higher inflation and the possibility of recessions globally. Since the banking turmoil in the last three weeks or so, it's been a bit of a topsy-turvy period for the franc. At the beginning of the uh, the headlines, particularly following the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, the franc was actually one of the best performers due to its safe haven status. But clearly the, the troubles faced um, by Credit Suisse have triggered a, a reversal uh, in, in much of these flows as investors threat about the, the health of the Swiss banking sector, um, which has caused the franc to lag behind the other traditional safe haven, uh, the Japanese yen. 
Uh, but the big question now is, what does the future hold for the franc? And, and do we think uh, that it can hold on to its gains or is a correction on the way? Uh, what, what do you guys think? Is it a, a buy, sell or a hold opportunity? I think it depends uh, compared to whom, like the joke says, right? I think uh, with respect to the euro, probably it, it's uh, its appreciation is, is going to be capped. I think that uh, the current level versus the euro strikes a good balance between the need to maintain the competitiveness of the Swiss economy on the one hand and the need to fight against inflation on the other. But I do think against the US dollar, it's, uh, it's a definite buy. Uh, I think that uh, it's going to be swept up in this in this upward trend of European currencies versus the U.S. dollar, while we wait to see what the uh, fallout is from the banking crisis in the U.S. Uh, so hold against the euro, buy against the dollar is my recommendation. For me, it would be either a hold or a sell. And I think I'm leaning slightly more towards the sell. Um, I'm quite optimistic when it comes to the uh, global economy. So I, it is difficult to be an optimist there uh, and think that the franc will uh, appreciate uh, significantly. Uh, I think that the market sentiment uh, should improve and I think that this should uh, be negative for the safe haven currencies. Uh, and the franc is one example. And when it comes the, uh, to the uh, franc, I would focus primarily on the monetary policy and the differentials uh, in rates. So I think that uh, the Swiss National Bank is like, likely to tighten policy some more uh, in June, um, but I don't think that they have uh, too much room uh, to do so. So probably we will be looking at something similar to the ECB or uh, something less than the ECB. Uh, I think that the, there is a stronger argument uh, for rate increases uh, in the Eurozone. It will be also dependent on uh, how determined the central bank is to intervene in the FX market. And they have been uh, rather uh, determined to uh, support the currency, to selling the foreign currency in the past few quarters. Mm, nonetheless, I think that uh, if we look at the uh, next few quarters, the inflation issue that uh, Switzerland is seeing should probably uh, be uh, maybe either resolved or uh, not be as problematic. And I think that uh, June may spell the end of uh, rate increases in, in Switzerland. So uh, I think that uh, this should uh, leave the room for the euro franc to, to move further up. And uh, I think that our current forecast for the franc is uh, rather reasonable, uh, although I think we are uh, a bit more aggressive than the market. This is interesting because I think for the first time we have quite a wide range of opinions on this one because um, the, the Swiss franc is a sell for me. Um, of course, it does depend on what currency you are, you're comparing that against. But for me, I mean, I can't see too much more room for appreciation in the franc um, from current levels. Um, you know, let's not forget that the franc is trading at extraordinarily strong levels, certainly relative to historical standards um, at current pricing induced, of course, by Swiss National Bank intervention, which has prevented a weaker franc due to its uh, implications for inflation. But once we see start seeing more of a normalisation in price pressures, admittedly, you know, we're not there just yet, but I think once we do, I think the SMB will take its foot off the pedal uh, and shift its priority back towards promoting export competitiveness by allowing a, a weaker Swiss franc. 
Um, no, I think that might, might take slightly longer than I'd expected, but I, I still think that is on the cards. Um, and as Roman, as you mentioned as well, I mean, the, the, the franc clearly is one of the, the main safe haven currencies uh, globally. Um, and similarly to you, and I, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic on, on global growth this year. I think the, um, the calls for, for deep and prolonged recessions won't come to pass. Um, I still think there's room for surprises to upside in global growth this year. Um, that should be good news for, for risk appetite. Um, and, and bearish for the, the safe havens. So for me, I, I think I would certainly sell the franc against the euro and, and maybe uh, slightly softer sell um, against the US dollar. May, may I just add in my defense that the Swiss franc is the mirror image of, of, the, of the British pound. Um, it, is all, it always looks expensive. Everybody says that it's going to get more expensive, that, that it needs to get cheaper. And it just instead, it stays the same or goes up. And that has been the way the Swiss franc has been since uh, really the end of World War II, the mirror image of the, uh, of the pound sterling. But uh, yeah, I, I, I agree that the, the, uh, the valuation uh, of the Swiss franc is, is a concern as anybody who has gone on a vacation in Switzerland recently can attest to. <laughs> And that's it from us. If you're keen to hear more about our thoughts on the FX market, visit Ebreed's website or follow us on social media. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favorite podcast app. And let us know if there are any topics you'd like to hear more on during upcoming episodes. Keep an eye out for our next episode in a fortnight's time. Thank you all very much for listening. <laughs>